0: Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Emma Clark. As you can probably hear, I'm in a pub in Cambridge, and I'm sitting with Dan Ratcliffe. Hello, Dan. Hello. Welcome to the book club. So obviously, we're going to start with your first appearance. We're going to start with your comics origin story. How you got into comics and what the connection is with 2000 AD. Tell us
1: all about that. Okay. So the first comic I ever read is the one I'm about. To, I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about today which is when I was eight year, years old. Um, later, I moved over to the Beano for a while, and I didn't read comics again until I was in my 20s. Um, I got into like DC Comics and Vertigo, read all of Grant Morrison's Batman, Transmetropolis and stuff like that. Then I went off comics again for a while, um, and then I rediscovered the comic we're talking about today. Um, or a couple of years ago, and at the same time, I that that's when I discovered 2080. So I've since read a lot of Judge Dredd and other stuff like that, like like Halo Jones. Um, um, Robo Hunter is yeah. uh, is one, yeah. of, one of my favourites. Cool.
0: And of course, we're going to talk about the, we're going to mention the comic in a moment, but a lot of the artists and creators from today's book, are 2080 Connections, as well, aren't they? Yes.
1: Yeah, so. Like, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, but the book we're talking about is uh, Sonic the Comic. OK, let's get to it.
0: Sonic the Comic. Tell, tell us... Um, so... It's a. I mean, I've got this plan to eventually try and cover all the different British comics at some point. <laughs> um, Sonic the Comic is something that I don't really know much about other than I know it's very important. You know, it, it occupies a large part... Uh, particularly for people who were reading comics during the 90s Um, so you say you discovered this when you were 8 years old
1: yes, Uh, like yeah so Sonic the comic is it was published by Fleetway and it was about Sonic the Hedgehog and other Sega games and I was I was really into Sonic the Hedgehog when I was 8 so yep, I saw this I saw this comic that had Sonic on the front and asked my dad to buy it for me um and yeah i i didn't really know what the rest of the stories uh, stories were because it's got stories about lots of other sega games but at the time like just the fact they had sonic in it that was enough i had like sega um wallpaper and sega curtains and stuff like i was i was a big sonic kid
0: so you mentioned it's fleetway comics starts in 1993 fortnightly does it stay fortnightly all the way through the run yep runs to 2002 which i'm going to say is quite a long time for a licensed comic on the british market you know must be a measure of its success and its importance so it's got quite a run that's 223 issues i think although we were talking before we recorded that the the last is it the last 40 of this arts to be reprint yeah. material yeah right okay um And, of course, it was Britain's official Sega comic created for Fleetway by Richard Burton, another 2000 AD editor. I mean, I presume it was just Sega saying, we need a comic that features our characters. Is that right?
1: I think it was the other way around. Um, My understanding is that it was like Richard Burton's pet-like project. He was seeing how much, like... uh, computer games and video games were like taking over like youth culture at the time and he was like we should get in on this and he managed to broker this yeah to make a deal with like a sega that they'd make this comic that would have sonic the hedgehog as front as front and center and sonic hedgehog was it was like a huge icon in the 90s he was everywhere like kids loved him but at the same time they got the license to pretty much all the other games that sega made so what that meant was they could put together an anthology comic that i kind of think of as like 2000 ad's little brother
0: oh right okay
1: yeah like it's very similar in its structure um whereas two, yeah where 2000 ad has got farg uh sonic the comic has got megadroid who is a he's a robot who's half sega Mega Drive. Um, and he hosts this 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 comic that's got Sonic, and would have several um, and would have three other stories that would be at first based on different Sega games.
0: Right, and it's interesting you say that it was probably Richard Burton and the team spotting the the gap in the market or a little sort of area that they could do a comic in because that's similar to I suppose thinking back to 1977 and 2000 AD where Kelvin Gosnell reads that article that says science fiction movies are going to be big and says we should do a comic about that so here we have Richard Burton saying computer games are big we should do a comic Uh, that's interesting and of course the editorial team I'll mention at the start we've got Steve McManus sort of managing editor we've got Richard Burton Deborah Tate is assistant editor but you pointed out she later becomes the, the sort of main full editor for a while
1: yeah so I think about 30 or 40 issues in R- 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 Richard Burton moves up to managing editor um, and then Deborah becomes the editor for most of the run of the, of the, the comic like like probably four or f- five or six years, maybe. Um, certainly, like, the whole kind of golden age, the most loved bit of the comic kind of happens under her kind of editorship.
0: Right. And then towards the end of the run, Steve has is all there for a while. And then, of course, Andy Diggle also edits for a while, I believe, towards the end. Yeah, I
1: think he, like, finishes
0: it off. He finishes it off, right. Yes. Okay. Um, you've mentioned, obviously... I mean, the main character, obviously, is Sonic the Hedgehog. But you mentioned... Uh, there was other stories. So presumably, was the issue, like, the main story would be Sonic the Hedgehog,
1: and then the backup stories would be other Sega titles? Yeah, so Sonic is, to Sonic the comic, what Judge Dredd is to two, 2000 AD. He's in every issue, and he's always first. Right. But then after that, so the very first, first issue had Sonic, um, Sonic the Hedgehog. It then had Shinobi which is a game about ninja warriors. I played that. <laughs> oh, did you? Yes. <laughs> um, you had Golden Axe, which was a, a sort of swords and sorcery fantasy thing. Right. And then... Was there Streets of Rage, or does that come Streets later? Streets of Rage comes in a few episodes later, but, but yeah, Streets of Rage is another very good one. Streets, Streets of Rage, Rage is, like, the game is, like, a beat-em-up set in one of those, like, five minutes into the future cities riddled with with like a crime and you're the one bad cop who has to beat everyone up to defeat it and they got and and they made a really good series based on that that they got Mark Miller to write Mark Miller of course Mark
0: Miller cut his teeth on some of these Sonic the comic strips early on as well before becoming (laughs) international megastar that he is now um, and the one, there was a there's a strip that gets mentioned which I must admit I don't know the game at all Decap Attack,
1: what was that? So Decap Attack it, it was originally a Japanese game with a different name, I think it was called like something something magical hat I'm right. probably getting that wrong but it was like you were a little wizard who would throw his hat at people Um. But to make it more edgy for the west, west, they rebranded that game when they released it it it, it here to a sort of mummy, like a Egyptian mummy type thing, who throws his skull at people. Of course, and, <laughs> and it was decappers in decapitation. Um, and Nigel Kitching who's one of the main writers of 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 like Sonic the comic, he wrote. Most of the best love love Sonic stories. He took this weird game about throwing a skull around and turned it into this like screwball kind of Halloween um, sort of Frankenstein inspired like straight up comedy strip. Right. That's really funny and is other than the Sonic things strips. It's, pro- it's it was it's one of the most well remembered things from from the comic because it was yeah he he wrote it and drew it and it was just very silly and.
0: And would I be right, I mean, if I stick with Decap Attack for just one moment, would I be right in thinking that they really pushed things in that strip, as you say, and probably did things that maybe Sega wouldn't have completely approved of? Um, I know on the Wikipedia page it talks a little bit about some of the edits they had to do, because Nigel Kitchen was really sort of like, as you say, just doing madcap weird stuff, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, so I think the very, the very first Decap Attack story, which is like six issues, in that first story, they dispatch with the main villain from the actual game. And then everything after that, and it runs way longer than any of the other non-Sonic comics, for the next hundred issues sort of sort of sort of coming like like here and there, it would it would just be comedy adventures that would just be like would have very little to do with the game except for those 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 characters and Yeah, I get the impression they were getting away with a lot because, like, Sega's marketing people and licensing people, they weren't looking as closely at the games that weren't Sonic. Right. Like, I think Sonic, they would complain if you made him do the wrong things. But Decap Attack, especially years after the game had come and gone, they just let them do whatever. Well... I'm going to ask you
0: about the artwork in the comic in a moment. But before that, you've mentioned Nigel Kitchen. So let's, t- let's talk about creators. We'll talk about the writers, first of all. Yeah. So you've got Nigel Kitchen, who does
1: a lot of the
0: writing initially. Is that right?
1: He's he's certainly the writer. So his, his first appearance is in, like, issue five, I think. Right. Um, and he stays with the comic until the very end. And he's the he doesn't write all of them, but he's the driving force behind... The main Sonic strip, like he sets up all the plot arcs that kind of run throughout the run of of like the comic. Um, so if listeners don't know about, about Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic is a it's sort of a, it's a game about you're a little blue hedgehog and you're running away. You and you you're running around this sort of beautiful world. The comics make 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 up that it's a that it's an alien planet called Mobius. And you're trying to save this 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 world of like nature and animals from this evil industrialist called Dr. Robotnik. And it's very much like a nature versus industry story. It's mm. got very strong kind of environmental themes without it. And he when when Nigel comes come, comes on, he very quickly he writes an origin story for Luxonic, which is sort of adapted from something that came out of um the American Sega marketing materials. Um, and then he sets up this arc where Sonic gets trapped in time for six months, and when he's gone, Doc- Dr. Robotnik takes over the planet. And then the next 90-odd issues of Look like, at a Comic is about Sonic trying to like build a resistance and fight back against this dictator who's taken over the world. And eventually, in issue one one hundred, like, they pose him and like, free the, free the planet again. So, I mean, obviously the games
0: and all the games and the certain sort of levels and bosses and so on. But in the comic strip, they presumably they as you've described, they got to expand the world. They got to do sort of new and interesting things. They got to do the stuff, as you say, with. Uh, interesting stuff with time and and so on and also this idea that eventually Dr Robotnik would be would lose eventually would be conquered and not just keep coming back to defeat or to be he keeps coming back after he (laughs) is conquered
1: but he's not in charge anymore right okay so
0: that's Nigel Kitchen Uh, you mentioned Mark Miller does some work on this before he becomes Mark Miller Um, he also of course he was doing work on Judge Dredd in the the early 90s as well um I noticed from the Wikipedia page one name or a couple of names to that Richard Rayner, who I think from your notes he did some writing and he's sort of like known for the Road to Perdition comic or graphic novel, but then Lou Stringer does a lot of writing. I think later on in the run, is that right?
1: Yeah, he. Um, so yeah, so he's the other main writer at. From a certain point, it's pretty much Nigel and Lou writing writing the whole thing and Lou having like a comic like a more like a like, like a comedy comics background um all the stuff he did for Marvel UK Combat Colin and stuff he's got more he does more of like the funny stories and he's more interested in like creating his own characters and things um that aren't like aren't straight adaptations of, of Luck of the Games, which is what what Nigel was, was in, interested in. So Lou ends up expanding the world um, in ways that kind of make for a lot of stories that wouldn't be able to happen otherwise. So he introduces Commander Brutus, who is a, a sort of super robot that Dr. Robotnik builds who ends up rebelling against him. He introduces Techno the Canary who's like is a canary who um, is like a whiz with a um, whiz, a whiz with, a whiz with uh, machinery, and he introduces Short Fuse, who is a squirrel who gets turned into a robot. So Doctor Robotnik's main villainous thing he does is capture small animals and turn them into robots. Right, of course. That's his evil plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that Short Fuse is a robot who resists his programming and fights back and becomes a kind of kind of superhero. Right. I think Lou had a lot of fun inventing all these characters of his own.
0: And, I mean, Lou is a great presence in British comics, and he, as you say, Combat Colin, he's still doing, I believe, and he turns up at various conventions. He was at Lawless in Bristol where I was there recently. I think he was in Enniskillen in Northern Ireland as well, where I was as well. Um, I should have asked him about Sonic the comic. should have got <laughs> some information from him. Um, OK, well, look we, look, we were looking at some of your collection before we started recording and looking at the artwork because uh, apart from being just a licensed comic apart from expanding the world of Sonic the Hedgehog we've also got some great artists and some great artwork in these pages haven't we? Mm, tell us about some of the artists involved in Sonic the
1: comic so I'm going to start with the the artist who along with Nigel writing so uh, Richard Elson is the artist who really defines what Sonic the Comic looks like. So he arrived at he arrived at issue six, I think. And if you look at some of the artwork in the first few issues, you kind of get the impression that some of these artists are phoning it in a bit. Like right. maybe they don't care as much about it because it's just a licensed a children's license uh, yeah. like a children's comics. But when when Richard arrives, he does this really detailed really beautiful really dynamic uh, dynamic artwork he really gives it his his all and that ends up kind of raising the bar across the board of the whole comic um and he ends up getting sort of partnered with like a nigel a lot apparently they developed quite like a close friendship when they were working on it and he also stays on it right until the very end even when the comic goes fully reprint in the last few issues he's still doing new 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 front 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 covers for him and most of the best remembered stuff in the comic is when nigel and richard would would work together and they'd make like a six or eight issue sort of mini epic or something
0: Another great uh, British comics partnership, creative partnership then. So, you know, working really well together, which is great. Uh, and of course, Richard Ellison has a 2000 AD connection. Uh, there's a couple of other artists that you had from your notes that have also got a, a strong 2000 AD connection as well.
1: Yeah, so Nigel Dobbin yeah. is, is uh, another one that, that's, that's very, like a, very uh, celebrated among Sonic the Comic fans. Um, he um, So later in the comics run, Um, they started to replace some of the strips based on other games with strips based on other characters from Sonic so one of the first ones they did was um, Knuckles who shows up in Sonic the Hedgehog 3 he's a red echidna Um, he's got boxing gloves and he's like a tough guy Um, Nigel uh, Kitching and Nigel Dobbin they worked together on on a Knuckles series that is a bit more kind of like slow and sort of thoughtful than the kind of more action-packed main like a sonic s- Sonic strip and Dobbin's artwork on that is really really beautiful. <laughs> right and then
0: of course I'm wearing my Mick McMahon Judge Shred t-shirt today Mick McMahon does some artwork on on the comic as well does he do the sonic strip at all?
1: Yeah so yeah so Mick McMahon shows up later than most of the other people we've been, been talking about he shows up around issue 95 I think um and at first, he takes over the art for Decap Attack for right. a little while, which suits him really well, because this is his phase where he's doing his more expressionistic yeah. to artwork that he's known for in the 90s. Um, so Decap Attack being this really kind of wacky, very cartoonist car, trip. Nigel's still, still writing it, but Mick starts like, drawing it, and that's some of my favorite art in the whole run. And then a bit later, after he's sort of proven himself on that, not that he needs to prove himself, they have him do a few like Sonic strips. That because they're so different looking to the kind of house style that um, that, that Richard has established, they're not as well liked by Sonic the Comic fans as they should be, I think. But people who like mix mix 2008 are. That's always the stuff they want to see when I talk about Sonic the comic, and it's, it's really kind of like striking, expressionistic stuff.
0: So before I ask you a little bit about favourite stories and runs from the, uh, the sort of like the history of the comic, um, we'll just mention the creators again, because recently, I suppose we should say that the sort of the fan involvement in Sonic the comic continues, even though the comic has sadly Demise, yeah. and recently there was a fan-organised Sonic the Comic convention in York that you were at. Was that right? Yes. And some of the creators. Who did you meet there? Yeah.
1: So I got to re- meet um, to, uh, to, uh, to meet Ni- Nigel Kitching, Lou Lou like a Stringer. So it's probably good you didn't ask, ask him about Sonic the Comic when, like, you met him because a week before <laughs> that, 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 that's that, all that, he was that, talking that's about. All he was talking about. Um, t- did I say, say R- R- Richard Nelson? Uh, R- Richard Burton was there. Ferren uh, Rodriguez, Royal- Royal- who did a few early stories, and and Carl Flint, who did a lot of the front covers.
0: And I see that you've got your issue one of *Something to Comic* with you, and it is signed by those creators oh, yeah. very recently at York, which is great fun. So it's nice that. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated that the fan interest in this comic has sort of kept the interest going and has organised a specific convention just about Sonic the comic with all these great creators. Andy Diggle, presumably, was there as well, was he? Or? No. No, he didn't make that one. OK, right. OK, well, you've mentioned that it expands the world of Sonic the, Com- of Sonic the Hedgehog from the games. Uh, you've mentioned some of your favourite creators. Were there any particular stories or runs that you, were, you, know, you particularly want to mention before we get on to artwork and Grail pages?
1: Well, on like, how it, it, it expands the games, um, the games we're talking about, especially the Sonic games, they had very minimal storytelling in the game itself. Like Sonic, apart from like press start, press start, start to begin and game over, doesn't have any text or any dialogue. It's, right. It's all just like the striking visuals and the exciting music and the the levels and stuff that you're, you're playing through, and occasionally a very short, like silent movie-esque sort of cutscene where you'll see a couple of bits happening, and it's you have to kind of interpret what's going on. And other than that, you would have one paragraph in the manual of the of the game that that would tell you who Sonic is Mm and what's going on and what Dr. Robotnik is up to and that and then like Sega Marketing made up some stuff on top of that which would get fed into sort of cartoons and their branding and stuff but it meant that there was a pretty blank slate for the writers to really expand on this stuff Um, so probably my Probably my favorite Sonic story is the adaptation of Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles which were two games but Sonic and Knuckles came in a cartridge that had a slot on the top so you could combine the two cartridges together to make one bigger game. Oh right. And okay. They adapted this bigger game into the comic and these little cutscenes in the game that was like 10 seconds of some sprites moving around and you're not quite sure what, 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 what was going on, um, the comics would really expand, its, it, it, it expand it and show you what the characters were actually saying to each other when this stuff was going on and would make it really exciting and they would do it in a way that would never contradict anything from the game. So as far as like sort of child me, me was concerned, the comic and the games were the same thing and it was one consistent Kind of true, look story, and that was that's really compelling. When when you're obsessed with these games and you want to know more about them, right? Um, my probably my favourite stories of the other games um, we've mentioned, Decap Attack, we've mentioned Streets of Rage. The other one I wanted to say I really liked is Echo the Dolphin. Oh right, I don't know that one. So Echo the Dolphin is a game where you. It's another game that um, the story is all in, implied. There's no speech or anything. Um, you're a little dolphin swimming just swimming around in the ocean and one day all the other ocean life disappears um and you've got to f- swim around the oceans and find your friends right and the comic it ex- expands this by making it clear that like the all the all of these other sea creatures were um abducted by aliens oh okay and it and you end up and echo ends up going to space and stuff um and it's got really, the reason I like it is it's got really beautiful art by, sorry, I have it written down here, by Steve Bigger-White, who these days is known as a paleo artist. Yes. He draws lots of animals and lo- and, lo- and lots of dinosaurs. Lots of dinosaurs, so yes. So um, he was a really good fit early in, uh, early in his career to do this kind of nature story that did end up having some dinosaurs in it. Now I think about it.
0: And you've mentioned that you think, you think of Sonic the Comic as sort of like... Uh, uh, a little brother or sister to 2000 AD. Um, were there any other sort of connections that you saw between the two comics apart from the creators and the important central character?
1: I think it's the structure. It's the anthology structure um, and the fact that it's hosted by by a fictional editor that kind of ties it all together. The one thing that Sonic has that it's like Sonic the comic has that two didn't was as well as being a comic it was also a video game magazine so a lot of the issues at least for the first half or so of like at a run would have news about new games that are coming out would have reviews of games would have like tips and cheats for if you were stuck in games and like to to 2000 AD DC, there'd be a letters page at, at the end where Megadroid would answer would Will answer the readers' letters, and um, and comment on there on a, a lot of fan art was sent in as well. So he would he would post the best the best drawings that people have sent in.
0: So very much like the 2000 AD e letters page in its classic period, fan art, yeah. letters, uh, answers written by a sort of fictional editor, and the answers often written by Steve McManus or in this case later Lou Stringer, I think, or Andy Diggle, I think. Is that right? Would write the speed lines, answers from Megadroid.
1: I've always assumed that the editor wrote it, like right. whoever was editor at the time, but I honestly don't know.
0: Right. Um, why, I mean, we may have answered this already in our discussion, you know, because there's great people involved and great expansion to the world, but why, why do you think Sonic the Comic has got this lasting reputation of being such an important uh, comic for those nearly, what, nine years or so that it ran?
1: Yeah, so I think for kids of the right age, it was like laser targeted to like appeal to them. Um, like Sonic the comic was, so, so Sonic the Hedgehog was the biggest was like the biggest thing going, and he was such an exciting character. He's blue. He he, he runs around fast. He uh, the marketing called him the Hedgehog with like an attitude. He was very much like a Bart Simpson type type figure, like a cool guy. Um, so that got everyone in, one, interested, but I think once they were in, it didn't talk down to the kids like, they didn't slum it on the artwork the artwork was like, really good and like, re- and like, we expected that kids want good stuff and the writing had like, so- long running long long running like story like storylines and was fairly sophisticated um, like, none of it felt disposable it- Right. kind of it got you invested in it, and I think that 's why it kept running for such a long time, even after like the Sega Mega Drive was kind of um, like sort of games had moved on from that, people stuck with like, the comic for a long time after that, because of like like yeah like the world and the product that 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 that, that they built right,
0: but again, I suppose eventually. You know, with the exception of things like the Beano in 2000 AD, British comics do run out of steam eventually. So towards the end of it run, it gets the reprint material, and then in 2002, it just that's it. It's yeah. finished, I'm afraid, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you say, the Sega Mega Drive games had moved on. Maybe its readership had grown up, but to uh, to the next stage or moved away from comics.
1: Yeah. So towards the end of it. Of its run, it was kind of a comic out of time. Right. Because, sort of, games had. So, the Sega Mega Drive was was the cool hip thing when the comic started. But a few years later, the PlayStation turned up. And that kind of became the. Like, that was like the, the cool kind of pop culture games console that kind of blew everything else out of the, the water. And I think if Sonic the Comic had been. A games comic rather than a Sega comic they could have picked up like Tomb Raider and Resident Evil and stuff and probably could have kept kept going for longer but because they were stuck with like Sega they had to stick to stick with what Sega was producing and at the same time the PlayStation was taking out was 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 taking over the world Sega released the Sega Saturn that was quite a flop and crucially for Sonic the comic it didn't have a Sonic game on it right so the comic had to start, um, they ran out of games to make stuff about, they had to just start making up their own stuff, um, which they'd been doing a bit, but they, they kind of didn't have anything to guide them anymore, they were just kind of going off in their own direction. So they did a good job at that, they introduced like, they, at one point this like, alien race came and took over the planet and Sonic and Robotnik kinda of had to team up for a while to fight them. They did some good stuff. That possibly the final nail in the in in the coffin was in two thousand one. Um, no ninety nine, but they adapted it in, 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 in two, two, thousand one. Um, Sonic Adventure came out, right? And Sonic Adventure was for the Sega Dreamcast, which is which 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 which, which is quite well remembered, but wasn't that that successful. Sonic Adventure was the first three D Sonic game. Ooh, right. And, the 3D Sonic games and the 2D Sonic games are very much a different beast to each other. The 3D games, they have a lot of dialogue, they have a lot of cutscenes, they have a lot of kind of soap opera drama between the character, they play completely differently, um, and they look quite quite different. Um, and one of the things that was a problem was that a lot of the kind of backstory and stuff that the Sonic, the comic version of Sonic was built on. Was, was built on a template that had been set by Sega Marketing of America. Right. Um, which turns out was very different to the backstory and stuff that the original Japanese developers had intended. It didn't, come in, it, it didn't matter any actual games because they were quite am, ambiguous. Um, but when Sonic Adventure came out and suddenly the games have a lot more story in the games, they had, they had to throw all of that American continuity away and the kind of Japanese continuity became the official version of what Sonic is. Right. And, um, and that conflicted a lot. Right. Like it was very incompatible with what Sonic the Comic had, had built, and Sega licensing probably would have wanted them to bring the two in line. So the very last thing the comic did before going, fully re- before going completely reprint was they did a... So Nigel Kitching and Richard Elson made a short adaptation of Sonic Adventure where they kind of took some elements of that game and smushed them into the Sonic, the comic, comic continuity, but it, that wouldn't have been sustainable. They couldn't have kept doing that with all right. the new games coming out. Okay. And by that point, I don't know if we've mentioned that, um, this, that as the comic went, went on, Gradually the strips about other games got replaced with strips about other Sonic characters. Yes. Yeah. So by this point they only had Sonic. Right. Which is probably just just as well because Streets of Rage and and Shinobi and stuff, those those games were even further in the rearview mirror by this point. Right. But yeah, they were at a point where they couldn't really carry on with the stories they, they were telling. And Yeah. The ironically, yeah, the the, the comic the the comic industry the kids, kids comic industry is sort of shrinking at, at the same time ironically because of computer games and stuff right so it was all it, these factors hard for them to, 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 to um, forge forward much further than where right. they did
0: okay that's interesting well let's talk about original artwork does I mean Oh, I should have checked and had a look. Do you, does original artwork from Sonic the comic turn up? Sorry. Turn up from time to time?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so, Richard Elson. Um, his is the easiest to get, and it's also the stuff that people want the most. Um, he, every now and then, puts, 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 puts a few pages on eBay. Right. Um, oh, okay. He's been doing this for a few years now. Um, I own one. I've got a Ooh. pitch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I've got a picture from, uh, a page from the Sonic and Knuckles adaptation that right. I was talking about about, about earlier. It's a, a page when um, Metalix shows up. Metalix is a robot version of Sonic that Robotnik has built for him, and it's Sonic and Knuckles, Knuckles sort of fighting him. Um, occasionally I've seen on auction sites pages from other creators but not as often... Was there any? Did he have any original pages at York at all? Uh. Um, yes, he had a whole port. He, he he sold he sold a lot of it, um, but he had a whole portfolio full of stuff he hasn't sold sold yet, or stuff he isn't is going to sell. Right, and I was flicking like through that, and yeah, there's there's some some beautiful pieces in there.
0: Okay, You'll have to send me an image of the page that you own that I can share on the socials if that's all right when this comes out. But also, if we gave you all the original artwork from the run of Sonic the Comic, do you have any other Grail pages that you would pick at all?
1: Yeah, so I knew knew this was going to come up, so I was thinking about this. Um, I thought it'd be too much to try and pick from the entire run of the comic. So I picked a page from... I limited myself to the six issues that I sent, sent you to read before yes. we talked. So I'm gonna pick a page from the story called The Origin of Sonic, which is Sonic's origin story, uh, by Nigel Kitching and Richard Elson. And it's the page where Dr. Robotnik first first appears after the laboratory accident where he turns evil. I'm just gonna show it to you now. Yep, okay, for this page, page here of Dr. Robotnik looking furious as he's just emerged from the wreckage. It's a starting
0: page as a furious giant Dr. Robotnik <laughs> dominates the page, and then you've got some three panels dotted around it with Sonic. Uh, that's great, and obviously that's Richard Elson, is it? Yes. Yeah, um, looks absolutely fabulous. So, yes, okay, we will we'll grant you that as your virtual grail page in the virtual gallery that megacity book club owns um but luckily you've also got your own richard elson page as well which hopefully i'll be able to share images of when this episode comes out
1: if i had to pick a non-sonic page i might go for a mick mcmahon decap attack
0: Mm. okay fantastic yeah we'd be well we'd both love to own a mick mcmahon page i would (laughs) yeah certainly um excellent now Collected editions of Sonic the comic. This is slightly interesting because Wikipedia tells me that there were some early collections or four 32-page collections from, the, from Revett publications in the early 90s. Did you come across
1: those at all? I didn't at the time. I, owned, I own two of them now. They collect, like, four issues each. Um, yeah... Yeah, there's not much ma- much to speak about of them. Right. There was
0: also the poster magazines, which Wikipedia thinks were reprint material, but you tell me actually they contained original six-page stories.
1: Yeah, so Sonic the Poster Mag was a a, a, a short spin-off comic that ran for nine issues, where it was that gimmick where... It would look like a magazine, but it would fold out to a big poster, and on the back of the poster, you'd get a page like a comic strip. Right. Um, they're quite hard, they're like, going to find now because they weren't very good, 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 good sort of value for money, money so nobody bought them. Um, and they were mostly on, on, they were put on, the people who did buy them put them on bedroom walls and. They were used as they, posters. Yeah, they get yeah. Destroyed.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they went on bedroom walls, and then at some point they are taken down and thrown away, or they may still be on bedroom walls rather yep. than being on the market, the eBay markets, yep. and so on. Okay, now, obviously, I know because you've got them in front of you here. You wanted your own to have your own sort of collections of the Sonic the Comic strip, so you've actually produced your own sort of bound versions, haven't you?
1: Yeah. So. When I rediscovered Sonic the comic as an adult, it it was the same time that I was reading a lot of the the, uh, Judge Red case files. And I really liked that format of taking all the little six-page strips and putting them together in in one book where you could just read them cover to cover. Right. Um, And I really wished something like that existed for Sonic. Um, So, I... At first, just at first, I just did it, did, did it like a digitally. I took the online scans that existed of this comic and kind of cut them up um, into one kind of 200-something page, like a PDF, like collecting the stories in like order. And I actually kind of mapped out how you would do that with the whole run. Um, but then a bit later, I, I took that to the next step, which is. Once I'd collected all the issues, I started scanning pages, um, kind of cleaning them up and remastering them and assembling them into a really kind of high quality, like production quality, like sort of PDF, um, collecting the the first sort of 30 issues of Sonic Stories. Um, And then I managed to find a commercial printer (laughs) that would let me get away with, with... with like, a printing a few copies of it. So I've made like two now. One collects the first 30 issues, and one collects another 25 odd. Right. Um, and that one includes some, like some of the knuckle stories as as well. And the idea is that this is if whoever owns the rights of these comics could get some lawyers together and figure this out. And figure out the rights this is what i would like them to produce like this is like high quality versions of these books right in order and yeah i yeah i only made made a few copies for myself and to show to like other fans i met at events and things um but i did i i did uh, i did give gift copies to nigel kitching richard elson and lou stringer who all had really nice things to to say about them, which I was really glad to hear.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's lovely. They they are, you know, two beautiful volumes here in front of us. As you say, just for your personal use, but you've been able to give copies for free to some of the creators involved, which is great. Uh, We did ask Rebellion about this, and apparently the license has gone back to Sega and is, you know, uh, they don't own it anymore, which is a shame, because as you say, nice reprints of this stuff would be great to have, wouldn't it?
1: Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So you were nice enough to reach out to someone at Rebellion for me. I've spoken to someone at, 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 at Sega once, but I've not had a lot of success. I really, like, if anyone from any of those companies happens to be listening and wants to get in touch with me again, I'd love, I'd happily give over all of my cleaned up material and stuff and say, go ahead and make official versions of that because that's what I want. Right? Because like every Sonic fan who I've to, who I've shown these to, they ask me where can I get one, and I'm not interested in becoming a professional bootlegger. So right. I have to say I can't, I can't give these away. But I'd love for these to exist officially so that everyone could have one
0: yeah so that we could officially buy them would be lovely um while we're talking about other fans there was a there's a
1: podcast that you wanted to mention that covers sonic the comic is that right yeah yeah i wanted to give a shout out to sonic the comic the podcast right they started a few years ago now and they're doing a read through podcast where they cover they 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 release an issue every fort, they release an episode every fortnight the same as the original comic was and in each in each episode they, they, they read through one issue cover to cover and they talk about all the stories but also all the features all the adverts they kind of talk about what it's like to, to be a kid uh, yeah what it was like to be a kid in the 90s reading this, this stuff and they're up to um, I think I think we're on issue 105 now and if you're interested in Sonic the Comic or you'd like to know more about it I would really suggest like like, like seeking that out Sonic the Comic the podcast
0: excellent, well I I can definitely put a link to them in the show notes for this episode, so follow the links there Um, was there anything else from your notes about Sonic the comic that you wanted to mention or anything else you've got to bring up in guest projects Dan?
1: No, no, m- yeah, my guest, my guest project, I just wanted to talk about the books I'd made, yeah. made, 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 really. Right. Okay,
0: well, we've been here in the Grain and Hot Pub in Cambridge. It's very warm outside, but we've been inside with a cooling drink talking about a fascinating uh, British comic and a bit of British comic history. I see on the first issue, they've also got, you mentioned Golden Axe, didn't you? That's right. Yes, Shinobi, Golden Axe, and many more. Um, Fascinating, And, of course, you've got your beautiful bound copies that you've made for your own personal use, which are lovely as well. Yeah. Great. Uh, Dan, it's been really lovely talking about this. You've yeah. informed me. This is something I wanted to know more about, but, you know, a bit of a blind, blind spot for me. But now I know a bit more about this comic. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find links, uh, particularly to Sonic the Comic, the podcast, at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Mastodon, and the 2080 forums. Uh, And email me, as Dan did, at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any comments about Sonic the Comic, uh, or if you've got your own book that you'd like to come on the podcast and talk about, maybe in the pub, like we have been this afternoon. Um, so until next time, from here in Cambridge at the Grain and Hop uh, and from Sonic the Hedgehog, it's goodbye from me
1: and A goodbye from him. <laughs>